0: Well, I want to say just a heartfelt thanks to all those who had the courage to, to share their stories tonight. It's not, it's not easy to talk about uh, personal things like that. I was talking with one of the testimony givers on the way out, and they said, you know, I teach all the time, um, but I'm not used to talking about this kind of stuff. So just a whole different level, and uh, I just want to say thank you to them. So uh, this is a little bit of a different Thanksgiving uh, season for me, and um, I've been reflecting just as the people that you heard from have been reflecting. So most of you probably know about uh, five or six weeks ago I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and uh, not what I expected at this point in my life. And uh, so I've been for you know the biopsies and the CAT scans and, and blood work and um, have a few second opinions scheduled over the next uh, six weeks or so. So um, just kind of going through those, those paces. But the theme for this service and preparing for this service has given me a chance to really think about, um, about the whole thing. And what I'm beginning to realize is that through this, um, there are some gifts that are coming to me that, that maybe don't seem like gifts at first, but, but they really are probably some of the most important gifts that, that I'll ever receive, frankly. And so I just wanted to share a few of those with you tonight of, um, of what, these gifts are that I'm realizing, and I didn't, I didn't plan it this way, but as I thought about scriptures that really ground what I'm talking about, they're all, they're all from what Paul shares in, in uh, his second letter to the Corinthians. So he does a lot of reflecting in that letter about his life and, and really connects with some of the things that I'm experiencing. So um, let me share with you three gifts that uh, I'm receiving through this very unexpected experience. So, the first one is compassion. I am becoming more compassionate. Um, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1 3 to 4 says, Praise to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So, I've been around cancer a lot. I mean, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and I've you know prayed for people, and visited people in the hospital, and and you know worshipped and sung with people with cancer, and and I've I've just been around it a lot. It is so different when it's yours. It 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 just feels different. Um, when I see other people struggling now, um, especially people with cancer, I'm starting to look at them a little bit differently. Like I get it a little bit more. Um, Even the details. Before when someone said, I have to go for a CAT scan, I thought, well, I'll pray for you. Now I think, oh, yeah. You had to drink that liquid barium? (laughs) Stuff's disgusting. (laughs) All the night before, in the morning, oh, it was nasty. I'm going to pray for you. I know what you're about to go through and then lay on that table and everything. Even just getting blood drawn, which you tend to have to do a lot when you're going going through some kind of a sickness. Someone said, I'm getting blood drawn. Okay. But now I'm thinking, oh, so when you wake up, you're not going to get to eat anything. You got to fast. You can't drink anything. You can't have your coffee in the morning. Man, I, re- I'm, I feel bad for you. The compassion level is just rising. You know, the etymology of the word compassion literally is to feel with, to feel something with, with people. And so through this, I feel like I'm feeling things with people more than I used to feel with them. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And, and it's a compassion, not just for the actual sickness, um, but, but it's for the hassle Um, It's for the confusion. Uh, It's a compassion for the insurance claims and the bills. It's a compassion for the million well-meaning voices of people that want to give you their opinions on how to treat or how not to treat or to embrace traditional medicine or not to embrace it. I don't know if some of you were here a few weeks ago when I first announced this uh, to the congregation, and I said, I really don't need your home remedies. Yeah, that didn't really stop people from... (laughs) From, from Home Remedies, so I know they're all well-meaning, um, but the pile of that stuff can just be overwhelming, and so I feel that with others, I get that more than, than I used to, and I'm thankful for that. It's drawing me closer to some people that I didn't think I would be close to, some people that, that I didn't really have much of a connection with, and now I do, because now we have this, this in common, so it's making me a better pastor and a better person, I think. Hebrews 4.15 says uh, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. And of course the high priest is talking about is Jesus. Jesus can fully empathize with anything we're we're going through because he walked where we walk. I mean, he experienced pain and and hunger and and tiredness and betrayal and misunderstanding and and all those things. And that's why we can all always go to him because he, he, he always gets it. And so now through this experience, I get it a little more. I can be a little more like Jesus um, because of this thing that that God is is putting me through. So, just to turn the tables on you a little bit, I wonder as you look at your life, is there something going on that you have viewed pretty much as a curse? Maybe just as an evil thing that you want to pray away? Maybe it's cancer, um, maybe it's depression or some other kind of, kind of mental illness. Maybe it's, it's unemployment, and it seems like just a, a pure, awful thing. But what if God is using that to raise your compassion level? Because I, I promise you, there are other people around you, and some of them you don't even, some of them I didn't even know, that are kind of rising up, that have cancer. There are people around you that are wrestling with depression, believe me, that are wrestling with unemployment, and what they need most is someone to walk alongside them who, who gets it. And maybe God is working in you so that you can be that person for, for that person, uh, so that you can truly have compassion. That's Looking at it that way is a challenging thing, but it's really a beautiful thing. It kind of turns you out from yourself toward others. So this Thanksgiving, I'm trying to be really grateful um, for that gift of compassion. Secondly, I'm grateful for this second gift of vulnerability. Oof vulnerability. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it's where Paul talks about having this thorn in his flesh, and he never defines what, what that thing is, this thorn in the flesh. I mean, it could be, could be a physical sickness. It could be, you know, a phobia or an emotional thing. It could be depression. Uh, we, we don't know what the, the issue is, but he says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, just like we would naturally do, right? I mean, we don't want thorns in our lives. But in response to Paul's pleading, God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Man, I, I just don't like that. I don't, I don't like that God's power is, is, is highlighted, is, is shown for what it is, most through my weakness. But I'm beginning to, to learn that. Because we would all rather feel strong, independent, in control, right? I mean, that, that feels better. Um, but through this diagnosis, I'm feeling more vulnerable. Um, what does vulnerable mean? It means that you are susceptible to harm. That you are open to, to, to harm. Like you're not bulletproof. You're not invincible. Um, and I don't like that feeling. I've been feeling vulnerable, you know, when I'm having blood drawn. You don't know what the results are gonna say. I, you know, I felt vulnerable laying on the CAT scan table a couple of weeks ago. I feel vulnerable wearing a gown that opens in the back. Don't you love those? <laughs> Like, come on. Vulnerability. Just knowing that there's this foreign invader in my body makes me feel vulnerable. Um, but it's not just the physical stuff. Um, as a pastor, I'm used to being the one giving the comfort and support, right? So I'm pretty comfortable with that because I've been doing it for, for a long time. Now, I find myself on the receiving end of cards and, and, and meals and prayers Um, that's kind of strange. I find it much easier to give that stuff than receive it. It's just, it's just because when you're bringing the meal, when you're the one delivering the meal, then you're like, you know, you're, you're strong, you're in control. You're the one being generous. It feels good, right? When you're receiving, you're kind of weak and needy. And so this whole thing is making me more humble, more dependent, on others. Um, God said to, to Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is actually more visible to people um, when, when, when we're weak than when we've, when we've got it all together. I can, I can f- I'm beginning to feel that, that happening. You may have heard me share this story before. One of the most well-known uh, professors at the seminary where I attended uh, was a guy named Howard Hendricks. And he was kind of a renowned, great teacher, great sense of humor. And I'll never forget, first year of seminary, sitting in a class with him as a big, classroom with a couple hundred students. And I remember him sharing uh, about the lifelong struggle that he'd had with depression. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room as he was sharing it. And, and I remember noticing after that moment that his, the respect level that people had for him and, and just his effectiveness as, as a leader were higher after that. Because there's something about vulnerability, especially when it's coupled with, with the power of God, that um, God shows up through that, uh, and, and it's a powerful thing. When we are weak, the power of God shows as strong. So let me turn it on you again. Is there anything in your life now that's making you feel vulnerable, that you don't like it because you don't, you don't feel like you're in control, um, and, and you've probably been pleading with God to take it away, just like Paul did, Right? So I kept pleading with the Lord to take it away. But stop and think. Is it possible God's using that very thing to show his strength through you in ways that he never could otherwise? So this Thanksgiving, I'm I'm choosing to be grateful for that gift of vulnerability. And then third, and finally, I'm grateful for the gift of perspective that this is giving me. Perspective. So there's a passage I've preached probably... I don't know how many times, so many times, I've always liked this passage, but it has a whole new meaning to me now. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, listen, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, and so Here's the, here's the so what. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, I mean, I've always known that. I've always known my body is wasting away. You know, you, you, you peak around age 18. And it's all downhill. I've always known that for a while. But now there's no question about it. Like, the evidence is everywhere. And, of course, I want to beat this cancer statistically and mostly by God's grace, you know, early stage prostate cancer is not gonna, is not gonna probably get me. Um, but the other day I was driving from a doctor appointment and I had this thought, if this doesn't get me, something else will. Isn't that a great cheerful thought for Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true, I mean, something will. And so I just started thinking really realistically, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm 54. And so, assuming I beat this cancer, let's say, I mean, I, I've done a lot of funerals for 80-year-olds. Let's say I die at 80. So i got like 26 years left. That's not that much time. I'm going to keep cheering you up tonight. And I, I mean, I know some of you are thinking it's depressing, but it's not because of, because of the promise we just read. While all this is happening outwardly, and this is, this is why... I. I can't imagine live, living without the presence of God in my life. While this outward stuff's happening, there's something really good happening on the inside. Inner, inner renewal that is, that is headed toward eternity is happening. I'm getting better eternal, uh, internally through this outward decay. Not just while the outward decay is going on, but in some ways because of the outward decay, I'm being renewed more inwardly. And, and God says, because of what my Savior has done for me on the cross, there is an eternal glory waiting for me that far outweighs any of this junk that, that I go through here. It's an amazing thought. And so Paul says, knowing all that, here's the choice that we get to make. We can fix our eyes on the temporary. Do you know you can go through a sickness and you can fix your eyes totally on your, your physical health? That's all you think about. You think about your test. You think about, how can I pray for you? Pray for healing. It's all about my body. It's all about getting better. Or I can keep that in its place and I can focus on the things that last. My relationship with God and my relationships with people. That kind of comes down to that, right? That's the stuff that lasts. And so, um, while I was driving, I, this shows how my strange mind works. I came up with this little, um, little timetable in my mind. So I thought, I thought, should I even say this tonight? And I thought, so what? Well, I'm just going to say this. So, <laughs> Let's, let's be generous, and let's assume you live to 88. That's a pretty good run, right, 88? So I thought, okay, so age 1 to 22, that's like the springtime of your life, right? Everything is new and everything. Uh, age 22 to 44, that's like the summer. Everything's in full bloom and everything like that, right? Um, age 44 to 66, that's like the autumn of your life. And then age 66 to 88, that's the winter of your life. Uh, that, that, you know, that's just kind of a typical time frame. So I'm, I'm right in the middle of that autumn time frame in my life and I say all of this just to say that what I'm going through now has just gripped my heart to live fully in every season. Just wherever you are, just be all there to realize every moment counts. This, this moment, this Wednesday night, this Thanksgiving Eve that we're sharing together, this matters, this, this time we're having together whoever you interact with after this service, those conversations count uh, because you don't have uh, an infinite amount of them. Every relationship is precious. So I'm finding myself freer to say the things that need to be said to people, um, less inhibited, less caring what people think, um, more sure that people around me know that I love them and, and that I don't just assume that, but that I tell them that. I'm speaking the name of Jesus more as often as I can. Fixing my eyes on eternity has really freed me to live more fully in the present. And I like that. So we have this, uh, we have this stereotypical image in our culture of, of the cranky old man, right? Old, negative, go out, get off my lawn, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And I get that. I, I, I mean, I can understand how you get like that. I, I sometimes lately feel like a cranky middle-aged man. You know, there's so much to complain about if you want to. But I'll tell you what. Life is hard. And it's not just hard for me. It's hard for you in some ways way harder than my life. And in some different ways. Um, But then I realize I have a choice. I don't have to go there. And by God's grace, I'm choosing gratitude. I get to choose. I'm choosing gratitude. So let me turn the tables on you one more time. Is there something very unwelcome in your life? Could it be that that's the very thing that God is using to make you the kind of mature, loving, patient, Christ-like person that you want to be, right? Is it possible that that thing that you hate is the thing that's most making you the kind of person you want to be? I hope that that thought, the thought that that God could be doing that, excites you and motivates you and gives you the energy, the strength just to keep on going. So, this Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving weekend, um, whatever hard things might be in your life, choose to be grateful. You get to choose. Um, And when you do that, God will be so honored. um, You will be so much happier. And and all the people around you will be so much more blessed. Amen. So we're going to close by worshiping together with one last song. But before we do that, let's just rise and pray together. Father, I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters here. I trust, God, that by uh, our three testimonies that we heard tonight and my story, Lord, that, that you will take from these life experiences and, and, and multiply the application in, in people's lives in this room. I pray mostly, Lord, that whatever hard things are in our lives, we won't live in denial of them. We won't, we won't pretend they're not there. But, God, that you'll give us the grace to choose gratitude. And not just as, as gutting it out, choosing it. Lord, I pray that you'll fill our hearts with gratitude. And that we'll feel that joy. We'll feel that, that lightness of spirit. Despite the tough things, Lord, make us thankful people. Lord, we realize that, that the reason we can have this perspective um, is only because of Christ. So, Lord, we close by singing about that. Help us to sing from our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen.